Welcome to the Pregnancy Health Podcast. I'm Betty McDowell, Vice President of Ministry Services here at Heartbeat International, and I'm your host for today. Today's Pregnancy Help Podcast is sponsored by Pregnancy Help News. You can go to PregnancyHelpNews.com for all the latest news and commentary on all things happening in the pregnancy help community. Today in our studio, socially distancing, we have our producer, our producer, Christine Grimmett. We're so glad you're here, Christine, and, and taking care of all the details. And I have three special guests with me today. Ellen Fell is with us. She is our international specialist, along with Debbie Fancher, who is a nurse practitioner and serves on our abortion pill rescue team, helping women who are seeking abortion pill reversal. The three of us are members of Christian Community Church here in Columbus, Ohio, which leads me to our next guest, which is our lead pastor, Ryan Flum. So let me give just a little disclaimer, and that is we are recording this podcast in early October. Uh, We live in a world where change, big change, seems to happen by the hour. So for our listeners, please remember our discussion is as life is, as life was, in early October. We um, will announce the title of this podcast later, but let me give you the subtitle, and that is What I Wish My Pastor Would Ask About Pregnancy Help Ministry. And so today, I am going to actually turn the microphone over, even though I said I'm the host. Um, I'm going to turn the microphone over as host to Ryan. Uh, But before I do that, Ryan, I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So how how did you come to be the lead pastor of our church and a little bit about your pro-life conviction? Good. Thank you. No, it's really good to be here. Um, Actually, I moved to Columbus to study philosophy and to become a bioethicist. And um, as you say, life changes and, and paths change and God changes things. And um, so through just a number of events, ended up on staff at a church in Dublin. And um, that ran its course, you know, after a few years. And lo and behold, I was applying for jobs all over the country, actually. Lo and behold, there was a place just eight minutes away from where I was living. Um, that has been an absolute blessing, you know, to our family um, to, be, to be part of CC Church. And so I've been lead pastor there for a few years, um, and my wife and I, we're, we're rural kids. We're from rural Indiana, and uh, it's just, it's, it's been good, you know, to be in a big city and where things happen and to get opportunities like this. So um, glad to be here. It's, it's a pressing issue, and I think abortion is increasingly coming to the forefront, even of, of this election, as it comes down the home stretch. Thanks, Ryan. Actually, one of my little stories about Ryan um, is that when you first came on staff, I got to be part of the team in the hiring process for you. And then when you first came on staff, we were finishing up an event here at Heartbeat. We were doing a training for brand new directors. And I asked you if you would come and just observe. And you graciously came and sat through the morning with us to see kind of our ending ceremonies of our Pregnancy Help Institute and gave you a quick tour of Heartbeat. And was just so thrilled that you were willing to take the time to learn about us. And I loved what I remember most about that was you walking around going, wow, wow, you guys do this? Wow, that's pretty amazing. So um, appreciate you. So since you have this great background, philosophy and bioethics and all this fun stuff, um, before I let you ask us questions, I want to ask you this question. And you can answer it as a pastor with all the background and your educational background. When we talk about the sanctity of human life, is this a political or a religious issue? 
It's, it's a fantastic question. And uh, we were just talking before the podcast began. You know, you're seeing this very issue pop up on social media um, a lot right now. And, and I think uh, it's both. And I think they're very, very closely related. I, th- I think it is a religious, I think it is a moral issue because it cuts to the heart of why people matter. And, you know, lo- lots of issues involved there, not just why people matter. Why do we matter um, in, in contrast to the rest of creation? Why do, why do humans matter, um, say, more than animals or, or whatever it is? Um, why do we have dignity? Why do we have full moral worth? Why does it matter deeply when you harm another person? And so um, I think that that's why, you know, the things we see in the Bible, um, they're, they're not just sort of... Um, generating truth simply by saying that it's so. What, what we learn in the Bible is telling us things deeply about the character of God. So God created humanity in his image, and God created humanity special. And so um, I, I think really to affirm um, the, the faith, the, the Christian faith, I think you have to affirm the dignity of all persons because they're not only creating the image of God, but loved deeply by a good God. So um, the question then is, is there a coherent position such that you are politically pro-choice, but morally, spiritually, religious, however you want to say it, uh, pro-life? Is there a coherent position? Yes, I do believe there's a coherent position. Okay, You could say, I'm morally against um, this act, this thing, uh, but I don't think it should be restricted. Here's the catch. Here's the problem. Um, Some principles matter more than others. So the principle that protects people's lives, where you're taking the ultimate thing from a person, his or her life, you're committing the ultimate immoral act. The gravity of that is so great that I think, yes, there is a coherent position to be held. You cannot hold that position morally pro-life and politically pro-choice. And really, honestly, this is a strong statement. I mean it and hold your pro-life convictions uh, with seriousness. You cannot. So I think they're, um, they're deeply connected. If you affirm the full moral worth, every person is both a moral agent and a moral patient, then I think you also think you also need to believe legally um, life ought to be protected. Great answer. Yeah. Deep thoughts with Ryan Flum. Thank you. <laughs> is that, that, don't make that the title. <laughs> no, I, I greatly appreciate that. Good word. Good word. And it's a word that I think, I think pregnancy help leaders would really want pastors to hear that. Yeah. Um, I think pastors need to be encouraged as much as we need to be encouraged. Pastors really need to be encouraged. Yeah. All right. We'll let you ask us some questions. Okay. Good. All right. Um, over to me. I'm, I'm the host. This is exciting. This is good stuff. So why don't you start just telling us a little bit about what is it that Heartbeat does? What does pregnancy help look like here? So it's wide and varied. We are a network, a community of pregnancy help organizations. And so these organizations affiliate with Heartbeat International. We have pregnancy centers, medical clinics, nonprofit adoption agencies, and maternity homes that are all part of Heartbeat International. Here at Heartbeat, we also have direct service to clients. So we have a 24-7 contact center, which receives about 1,000 contacts a day from people looking for help and assistance. And so that option line uh, receives those things, whether it's text or email, uh, phone call, chat. Uh, It gives them an opportunity to connect women with need uh, to the pregnancy help community. So we also have what we call our abortion pill rescue network. And that's where those calls and contacts come in 
and we're able to connect them with a medical professional like Debbie, who's mm-hmm. in the room with us. And she connects them, does an intake process and connects them with medical professionals who can help her with uh, the reversal of chemical abortion. And yeah. we can let Debbie talk about that now or later. Um, but I also want to, I also want to say as we are a, a, in one sense, a lifeline because we help start centers, we provide all kinds of training and services for leadership and for policies, procedures, all the things that you would need soup to nuts to have a pregnancy help organization run in a great way. Um, it's not just U.S., it's international. So maybe Ellen, as our international specialist, could talk a little bit about the international aspect of what we do. Sure. Um, it's my pleasure. Uh, and let me just say that... Um, Everything that I say is uh, preceded by whatever Ryan said, because I thought your answer, Mm -hmm. uh, just starting out, was was really brilliant, really, and and I think it really does, it does address the incoherence of many positions that are out there. So thank you for that. Um, You know, I'm happy to talk about the international aspect. this is uh, what I do at Heartbeat. I work with the international affiliates in, in many different countries, um, and I work with a lot of non-affiliates as well. Uh, my, I see my role really as doing the whatever to support pregnancy help organizations around the world. But I would say as well that, uh, Betty, I thought you addressed very well the the means by which we do it Mm -hmm. the pregnancy medical help organizations we support and have in uh, in our network maternity homes uh, nonprofit adoption agencies if i think about the overall picture what we do is we help pregnancy help organizations serve all women in unplanned pregnancies. Women who are asking questions about pregnancy, about abortion, about the consequences of abortion. Women who are in truly the valley of decision. And I love the fact that I get to help women in that position. Mm -hmm. So um, with respect to uh, the international uh, pregnancy help organizations specifically, I think the, uh, the COVID crisis, the health crisis, actually highlighted for me the breadth of work that mm-hmm. pregnancy help organizations are engaged in. Mm-hmm. Because for many of the two-thirds world pregnancy help organizations, What was a health crisis quickly became a food crisis. It became an actual life or death crisis. So what we saw was pregnancy help organizations literally around the world providing food, providing diapers, providing material resources. Um, And this was all in the context of, in so many cases, lack. Um, So they were providing out of their own 
resources. It, it was really fabulous to see. Um, generally, I, what I see pregnancy help organizations offering women is um, the maternity home, the opportunity to have their baby in a safe, supportive environment mm -hmm. uh, at no cost to the women. Uh, what I saw, what I see is uh, the pregnancy help organizations providing resources, material aid, education, um, training. So when I look at this really holistic approach to serving women, uh, I couldn't ask for a better place to be throwing my hat in the ring. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't ask for a better person because it's <laughs> such a delight to have yeah. Ellen on our team. Uh, Ellen actually was our, um, her background is in law. And so she served in that capacity with us. Uh, but as time has gone on, her heart and our need just really came together so nicely. And so the international uh, specialist really mm. was best seat on the bus for her. It's good. It's so, good. And if I could add to that, when I, I think about this, um, in pregnancy health work, because we are helping these women, it has um, it's made us really aware and receive education on all kinds of issues. Mm. Because a woman just doesn't come into an organization and say, hey, uh, pregnant, and that's it. That's, that's almost, it's really the pregnancy is symptomatic of other things mm. happening. So we've had to learn so much about things like uh, domestic violence, drug addiction, human trafficking, mm -hmm. abortion. There are just so many things that we've had to really learn and become savvy and recognize and help, and we've been involved in all of those areas. Mm -hmm. And when I think about uh, our mission, the mission of Heartbeat is to reach, rescue, and renew communities for life, and we do that through this network of pregnancy help. When I think about the vision, the vision of our organization is a world where abortion is unwanted today and unthinkable for future generations. That's big vision. And so everything that we do, all the organizations that are connected to us are about that mission and about that vision. So why don't you fill out that profile of someone um, who would come looking to you for help? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And I guess there's one aspect of that I'm especially interested in. Um, one of the big stories post-COVID, whenever that is, is going to be sort of the, the forgotten storylines. And so the mental health crisis that is now very much a reality. And are you seeing that played out in people as, as they're seeking help? Yeah, I would say the mental health piece, uh, again, when I think about all those areas that we have to become well-versed in, mental mm -hmm. health and depression, um, anxiety, women who, uh, particularly who have had abortions, and for many of them, the agony that they live with and the depression and the things that go there, there's scientific evidence that points to those things, although a lot of folks don't want to look at that. Um, but those women are susceptible. So we see women, gosh, of many different ages. Um, I think I'll have to double check on, on the numbers and the age range, but, but it is still the, more the college age and a little beyond who's the primary client who comes into a pregnancy help organization or contacts us looking for help. And um, she really isn't aware of her options. It's what, what we find, there's even research that talks about this. And that is that a woman who is 
in the midst of finding out that she's pregnant, she just wants to go back to life as she knows it. I just want to get back to normal. And what's the quickest way to get back to normal? And the research says that when she thinks about giving birth to that child, she thinks this is the end of herself. This is the end of herself as she knows it because it's such a life-changing event. If she thinks about adoption, uh, because there are, there are so many, adoption is a beautiful thing. Placing a child, making an adoption plan is a beautiful thing. But we do live in a world where it, it still has a very negative connotation. And so she tends to see herself as, I'm a bad mother. If I give that baby away in her thinking, I'm a bad mother, rather than making a plan for this child, she's actually being a great mother by making that plan. And so abortion becomes what's known as the least of three evils. She chooses that because it's the fastest way back to normal. And so she's not thinking long term how that's going to affect her. Um, although with that, this is where I really want to pull Deb in if we can, because, uh, because of the stories of what happens with chemical abortion. We know that chemical abortion is on the rise. I, we believe it's probably been 40% in this past year of all abortions are chemical abortions, and that is on the rise. So while we might see abortion numbers going down a little bit, chemical abortion numbers are going up. So those don't figure in as far as the they, abortion numbers? They do. We believe that they do. So it's it's really it's really tricky to to track abortion numbers because in some states they're years behind and in some states they're not required to even record them, so um, so it makes for a bit of a challenge. But usually when you're looking at numbers that we see from like the Guttenmacher folks, um, which is an arm of Planned Parenthood, they're they're year two behind on what those numbers would be, so. I'm not sure from the calls I've gotten, I'm not sure what the access has been during this COVID uh, season to access a clinic for a surgical procedure for, for abortion. Um, I receive the referrals from women who have begun a chemical abortion by taking mefepristone, or it's always also known as RU486. And so if a woman has taken that, then there's a chance that we can help her uh, by referring her to a, a pro-life provider um, who can prescribe some progesterone. The women that I get calls from are so, you mentioned mental health, so full of immediate regret almost as mm. soon as they take that pill. Um, fear, guilt, um, you know, it's just, you can just, it's palpable on the line when I'm talking with them. I even talked with a woman recently that had, she had gone to the abortion clinic, she had gotten the pills in hand, taken them home and sat with them for a whole week. She was, she was waffling. She was trying to decide what she was going to do. She ended up taking the first medication, which is that RU486, and called the helpline within a half hour. She immediately regretted it. Um, she had been told at the abortion clinic she had a, an ultrasound and found out she was carrying twins. And so that also, I'm sure, had some impact on, you know, her response. But it's, it's really sad. But I feel like having this hotline, having this way to 
for the women to have an option. They have an option available to them. It gives them hope. You know, they call and they, you know, they're, they're hopeless. You know, they're, they're scared, you know, and now they want to keep this baby and, and they don't know, you know, if this is going to work or not or how we can help. So that's where I intersect them. And it's a real privilege to be at that point of intersection and offer, be able to offer them hope and compassion. Whether it's a successful reversal or not, mm -hmm. they re receive it still as hope. Yeah. yeah. And we've learned some things along the way with um, abortion pill reversal, the process itself. So just for our listeners, if you're not familiar with um, the abortion pill the chemical abortion, how that works. It's a two-pill process. So even though it's called abortion pill, it's actually a two-pill process. And the first pill basically cuts off progesterone, which is needed for the growth of an unborn child. And so that pill is taken, and usually within 24, 48 hours, the woman is then directed to take the second pill. The second pill actually causes her to expel the baby. So that's why it's a two-pill process. Uh, that's the way it works. And so oftentimes the woman that we hear on a regular basis, she takes the first pill and she regrets what she's done. And so rather than taking the second pill, she looks and she finds us. She'll go online. She finds us. It gives us the opportunity to do an intervention. And so as Debbie mentioned, it's progesterone because that first pill cut off progesterone. So now research is saying that if we can uh, provide progesterone, we can help to override that and, uh, and potentially bring about um, her pregnancy to full term. So it's about, we've seen the statistics, about 64 to 68% of women, if we get them in that short window of time, have 68% chance, up to 68% chance of carrying that baby to term. And so we see the stories of those moms um, all the time. That's kind of one of the greatest joys we get to see here at Heartbeat is when mom sends us a picture or posts a picture of this child that we're literally saving them in the midst of an abortion, that that child is now alive and well. And those testimonies are pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Why do you think this aspect of, of the abortion debate gets left out so often? I mean, you just mentioned, you know, Heartbeat being in the news and sort of late night comedians taking shots and things like that. And but there's a very relational element to this um, and a very human element that goes beyond these policy debates that we have. Why, why does the humanity of it get so lost in the shuffle? There's probably a couple different answers. Uh, my, my immediate response to that is, uh, let's go beyond the humanity. Let's talk about spiritual warfare. Uh, you could go back right through throughout history, uh, throughout biblical times. And, and you think about if we were created in the image of God, the enemy is out to destroy the image of God. So we see all those times where, you know, we need to, all firstborn need to be uh, killed, right? Um, direct the midwives to to drown them, right? We know the, the story of Moses. We know what happened when Christ came along. And then historically you see that. It is spiritual warfare. Um, so that's, that's immediately where my heart and my mind go. So Ellen, you're so intellectual. And I think you could probably you could probably address more of the humanity uh, aspect of that. It's a great question. I do think it's complicated because, as you, as you say, how does the relational piece of this, how does the humanity of, uh, of what we're doing, how does it get lost? I don't think it gets lost. I, I think it gets buried. It gets hidden. 
it gets denied. It doesn't get lost. If it gets lost, you don't know where to find it. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you can put it aside and deny it, mm -hmm. that reshapes the discussion. I think the statistic is 96% of biologists say, biologists, all biologists, not just pro-life biologists, but all biologists say that life begins at conception. If that is so, then how can you deny the humanity of the child? Far easier to deny the humanity of all that is happening with APR, with pregnancy help organizations, by poo-pooing, that's not a scientific mm. term, but <laughs> poo-pooing the humanity of the child to begin with. Yeah. Because then anything that touches the life of that child, mm -hmm. whether it's between the first pill and the second pill, or further down the road, or what happens to the woman after an abortion, those things can, can be almost dismissed. And that's the problem. Because when you dismiss it, where does that woman go? If we have now denied to her that this is life, this is humanity, you had the option, you have an option, what do you do then with a woman who grieves? That was my answer. Sorry. Yeah. Re Great real, answer. real lives, Great real answer. lives are being uh, ignored in a lot of ways yes. in, in this public policy debate we're having, and the way in which we have it. Right. Without question. Yeah. The the um, the term reproductive health or reproductive rights, um, not really an accurate uh, term. It's just another way of trying to bury the humanity. Um, I know I have a friend who says it's interesting when you think about women's rights and the abortions that are happening, half of those babies are women. So yes. if you're yeah. in favor of women's rights, you're, you're yeah. missing an entire population of yeah. women who don't have a voice. Yeah. Well, and then if you, again, when you, when I look into the international arena, um, Abortion is the primary way in some countries where women are completely, not just dismissed, eradicated at birth, at conception. Mm -hmm. Whether it is in China or in India, these female populations... And the women who bore those children, they are the ones who are most impacted. You cannot deny that. A simplistic debate is usually what uh, the politics of our day wants. And, and this is a much deeper discussion of this issue, which is appropriate for us to have. And just to kind of pick up on your thread, and then I have a question of... Um, so many biologists, and there's a very strong consensus. In fact, I'm surprised there's 4% that deny it. Um, that, you know, life does begin at conception. And so the move that's made um, on the pro-choice side is, well, our personhood then is tied to some kind of psychological capacity that we have. 
ability to relate to other people, ability to have memories. And so uh, th there's really that that's rarely acknowledged in the public debate. So we can step back and really have a day of reckoning and say, is that the kind of society we, we, we want to be that denies people's humanity based on psychological capacities? Because mm -hmm. there's a clear slippery slope. People who are in comas, people as they just plain get older and deteriorate in these kinds of ways. So let, let me shift to this then. Um, what misconceptions do people have about abortion, about pregnancy help? You could go either direction, mm -hmm. even in churches. Do we have six days for this podcast? Yeah, yeah part eight. Okay. Um, here we go. <laughs> Rest on the seventh. So one of the, um, one of the bodies of research that recently came out out of Notre Dame uh, really was looking at the U.S. population and views about abortion. And that research said that more than half of, of uh, U.S. citizens think abortion is, is not good. It's not healthy. It's, it's not a positive thing. That same group of people, if I'm quoting this correctly, so forgive me if I've mess, messed it up, but my understanding is that same group of people said they can't imagine a world without abortion. It's, it's just here to stay. And I would say that those are folks who don't understand the network of pregnancy help that exists in the United States and around the world. And, um, and if they did, I think they would be even more supportive of what we do. And so, I mean, there are things that we get hit with. Oh, you're just a pro-birther. All you're trying to do is get that baby born. You don't care about that child afterward, which is so far from the truth. Um, although I will say pregnancy center isn't there to raise your child. We're not going to take them all the way through their college education. I mean, we have a mission and we network, we work with the community, we work with the church. We really are the church. And look at, at this room, you've got three from our church. There's actually someone else who's, who's on staff, who's from our church. And then there are lots mm -hmm. of folks who volunteer and help us with different projects. Uh, so we really are involved, and there's more room, there's more help that's needed. But I think if people realize that that there really there really is help available, that they would be more understanding of yes, we need to we need to help women. And and I think we're very cautious. We don't show in church. We don't show the the terrible pictures of chemical abortion or surgical abortion. We don't show mm -hmm. them. Um, there are times that I wish we would or could, because I think if you saw the reality of it, you would, people would have a better understanding and would be so moved. Um, but I also know we don't want to traumatize women and people in our, in our church. Um, but abortion has certainly touched so many. And, and I think we see people like, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life, or I would never have an abortion. That's how I'm pro-life. Mm -hmm. But once abortion has touched them in some way, yeah. whether it's been a friend, a family member, somehow they then feel guilty to hold to that pro-life perspective. And so it's kind of been worn down in them. That's mm, good. But I think, I yeah. think we see that happen yeah. quite often. Yeah. So part of the answer is, I mean, to care about this issue is to care about a lot of facets and a lot of, in a person's life and a lot of people who are affected as well. Do either one of you want to speak to that as well? Do you only care about the beginning stages of a person's life? Is that what you're about? Uh, no. Anybody else? No. <laughs> no, of course not. Because the reality is, why does abortion exist? Because I think it exists because 
we don't think women deserve better. We think that abortion is the best option that we can offer women. And nothing could be farther from the truth. And women do deserve better. And to say to a woman that, gee, I'm really sorry that you feel alone and you feel desperate and you feel unsupported and you feel like there's no way out, that this is your only option, be warm and be fed? No. I, I cannot and I will not accept that. And that's why I love the fact that pregnancy health organizations, if you walk into their doors, you will find compassionate, loving, non-judgmental people. And you will find people who are committed to not just uh, the pro-birth, pro-baby scenario. It is education. Mm-hmm. It Good. is material aid. It is housing. That is why the, the, the part that I love about doing what I do now is that I see that played out in 66 countries around the world on every continent. Mm. And I hear the stories of women who were helped through COVID in an abortion pill reversal situation. I hear the stories of women of every color and every ethnicity helped in a truly loving and giving way and giving her the option to have her baby. Yes. So uh, my perception is this is a much uh, fuller uh, picture sense of what's going on. But my perception is actually this issue is being minimized. And I think that's obvious in in, uh, the society around us. But I'm actually talking about being minimized in churches. Do you agree with that? And if so, uh, why? Why is this happening? Yes, we I'll agree. To, to bed. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We agree. I, I, I think that, um, again, I think because abortion has touched so many lives, we don't want people to feel bad. We don't want people to feel guilty. We don't want people to feel shame. That we have a tendency to not discuss it or teach. I mean, I, I think that we go to that we go to the scriptures of "You're fearfully and wonderfully made." Um, but do we really understand what that means? Um, and so, so I think we're, we're mindful because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. That's, that's one thing. And I think because um, a lot of churches would say it's a political issue and I'm not going to touch it. It goes back to your first answer with us. And, and so it's like, oh, they, don't, they just don't want to go there. They don't want to touch it. Or because they've experienced it, they have to, I guess, rationalize mm. And, and for us, we really do, one of the things I love about our church is that whenever we talk about this issue, we also talk about the forgiveness. We talk yes. about God's grace, his redemption. We talk about those things so that women who've not only experienced abortion, but pregnancy loss, you know, women who have, who have had miscarriages and stillbirths, um, we acknowledge that that loss. That's important. And so I think that we tend to, churches tend to stay away from it, whether it's political. And here we are, this is right before an election season, and here we are talking about it. Um, so I, th- I think that that's just our, our safe place to 
to escape and and not go there. And and some of it, Ryan, is probably really uh, discipleship mm-hmm. and spiritual yeah. formation yeah. Um, that we some churches miss. Yeah. I wonder if they fear losing membership over mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I could see that being an issue because of uh, sort of personal histories right. or because of the politics of it. Yeah, the politics. Politics of it. Yeah. Right. I think some of it goes back to what Betty said earlier. It's that we can't imagine a world without abortion. Mm-hmm. We, we can't even begin to think what would that look like. Okay. All we can think about is, well, what would that require of us? Mm-hmm. What, would, what would that ask of me yeah. as an individual? Yeah. And so better to think it cannot be. Better and easier to think the church cannot shape that vision. Mm, The church cannot give input into that vision. And so we give up on the vision. But without a vision, Hmm. people perish. You know, it's the, what can you imagine? What kind of a world can you imagine? And when, when, I think, Betty, you said you used that a couple of times, what... We, can we imagine a world like that? And the thing that always um, touches me is when I read the testimony of one of the women that have been helped by a pregnancy help organization, and almost every time the woman says, I cannot imagine my life without this child. Mm-hmm. And suddenly her vision of a world without abortion becomes <laughs> humanized, as you would, if you would, to the reality of that individual. Yeah. I cannot imagine my life without this yeah. child. It's because someone imagined a world without abortion. There's something to the specificity of this story. So just keep keep going on this train. So um, it, it's hard to cast vision sometimes when the task seems insurmountable. What do you say to churches? Say we're, we're an individual church made up of individuals. You know, what, what can a church do better? <laughs> can I, I want to throw this yeah, at you please, because uh, we have a friend. Um, I'll mention Arnold, Arnold Colbreth, great guy. Um, works in the um, African-American churches, black community. He's been working with some of the different denominations, uh, the denominations that are primarily uh, made up of black pastors, black churches. And he found that in conversations with some of the different pastors, having a pastor make the proclamation in the church to say, any woman who is in our church, remember our church, you do not have to have an abortion. If you find yourself in an unplanned an unwanted pregnancy, um, God, our redemptive God, for what, if the circumstances fit in that situation, he forgives us. Uh, there's healing for her. But as a church, we will come around you. We will embrace you. We will help you with this child. We'll give you, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean we're going to pay, again, for that child's college education. Um, it means helping you to care for that child. So, um, a church willing to speak up 
mm-hmm. and say that to a congregation, I think is pretty powerful. Yeah. And that's a, yeah. to me, that's a great place to start. Yeah. So I, I think it's key, you know, I benefited from this for us to continue to have these conversations because without it, you don't keep first things first. And, mm-hmm. and it just strikes me, even it's a reminder, this, this discussion here, how much, how, where we land on this issue and how we talk about it and how we act, it impacts what we think. And even how we feel about so many other issues and how we care for people. Um, so I appreciate the chance to discuss and uh, to hear from each of you. So I'm going to turn it back to Betty. All right. All right. Thank you so much for the time that we've uh, been, had together. We hope that this is beneficial to our listeners and things that you might want to take uh, to your pastor. So again, thanks to uh, Christine, our producer. And thanks to our sponsor, Pregnancy Help News. So remember to go to PregnancyHelpNews.com to get all the latest and greatest news stories and commentary on what's happening in the world of pregnancy help. Uh, We hope that you have a great day and uh, know that you, our listeners, um, we applaud you for the work that you do. You are on our hearts and in our prayers. So we bless you today. Have a great one. For listening to Pregnancy Help Podcast. To find out more about the topics discussed in this session or to subscribe to future episodes, visit heartbeatinternational.org slash podcast. Thank you for your service in this life-saving ministry.